You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 187. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Aptive, the on-demand audio fitness app that combines the guidance of a trainer with the perfect playlist to give you a fresh way to work out. To get a free 30-day trial of Aptive, go over to aptive.com and click on the sign up and enter the code THELIVELYSHOW. That's A-A-P-T-I-V.com. At the end of this episode, I'll be speaking with Aptive user Lauren Mundell about the app. Now let's move on. Today, I am speaking to you from Sydney, Australia. I will be traveling there, right? So as I'm recording this, of course, I'm not actually in Sydney yet, but that's where I'll be as you are listening to this episode. I am so appreciative as well of all of the support you guys have shared and how excited you are about this idea of energy flow and consciousness coming into The Lively Show in 2017. I will be having many more episodes about those subjects in solo episodes and through interviews like today's episode. So let's move on to today's show. Today we're speaking with Rob Lawless. Rob is a 26-year-old in Philadelphia with a project called robs10kfriends.com. Rob has set out to speak and spend one hour of time with 10,000 people around the world. But right now he has focused exclusively, almost exclusively, I should say, on his hometown of Philadelphia. He's in the early 600s of the people and he still has a ways to go before he even gets 10% there. His story, I believe, is super inspiring for anyone who wants to have adventure in their lives, no matter whether they're traveling the world or if they're still living in their hometown, just like Rob is. This episode in the first half will explain a lot about how the project itself works, what he's learned from different people he's met from different walks of life, the themes that he has found from all of these people's interactions and their stories. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to get into Rob's personal point of view, whether knowingly or not knowingly really focused his life and aligning with flow, consciousness, and energy. So all the stuff that I've been setting over the last nine months, Rob has been doing deliberately or non-deliberately, but still getting the results of those positive things in his life as a result. And there's definitely a few parts where I actually tear up hearing about how things have played out for him, knowing that he is following these principles. So if you're interested in the consciousness and energy stuff we've spoken about, this episode's gonna be really inspiring to hear how it's working in someone's life in a real-time way. Let's go to the show. Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Jess. Let's start with a little bit about yourself. Tell us how you got to where you are. So right now, I live in a neighborhood of Philadelphia called Northern Liberties. I actually grew up outside of Philadelphia in a town called Narstown. So I grew up like 40 minutes outside. I went to Kennedy Kenrick, a small Catholic high school in my hometown, then went on to study finance at Penn State. And then after graduation, I worked doing consulting for about a year and three months, then switched over to a tech startup. After that, I was doing tech sales for them and most recently embarked on a personal project, which I believe you know about. Yes. And that is why I have asked you on the show. So you've also just had a birthday. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Yeah. You just turned 26. So you are embarking, as you've just mentioned, on a really interesting project now. Can you tell us what that is? 
Sure. So I'm currently on a journey to spend one hour with 10,000 different people. I've always said to see what comes of opening doors for no particular reason. And it's kind of evolved into learning about their lives. And more so, as I go along with it, starting to connect people with each other and building this community. Really? So when you started this, did you think, I'm going to connect people and build community? Or what was your initial inclination? And what even inspired it in the first place? So I think like those were definitely things that I thought were possible and, and planned to do eventually. But I, after graduation, I always wanted to do something cool with my life. So I never wanted to climb the ladder until retirement. And I, I actually would write notes down in my iPhone. And it was January of 2014. So three years ago now, I wrote a note that was like, introduce myself to 10,000 people in one year. In one year? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'll do 10 minute conversations every day, seven hours a day. And then like, it'll be this huge thing, like I'll be an overnight success. And then I was like, that is a lot of people in one year and probably not a great idea to just go up and be like, hey, I'm Rob, how's it going? And then like on to the next person. So that sat in my notes. And then I was keeping like little journal entries in my phone. And one of them said, my ability to meet people is what will take me to where I want to be. Where did that come from? That just came from my heart, I guess. You know, I was taking the train back and forth from my job at the time to my parents' house. And it was kind of just a way to kill time. But it it was also like a bit of self-reflection. And that was just something that has been a constant through my life. I've always connected well with other people, be it in high school or in college and even afterwards. So I was like, why don't I take this thing that I'm good at and that I enjoy and try to turn it into something bigger? And that coupled with that note from 2014 kind of gave me the idea to build something really beautiful over time, kind of step by step. So rather than trying to become an overnight success, trying to build like a mansion brick by brick. So that is kind of what evolved into my project of meeting 10,000 people for one hour each. And I wanted to take an hour because I wanted to really know those people after meeting them. And I always tell people when I sit down with them, success for this meeting is you and I being able to pass each other on the street on a later date, knowing about each other and feeling comfortable with each other. So yeah, that's kind of how I got to where I am today. And to date, I've met 615 people and I started November 11th of 2015. So it's been about a year and two months that I've hit that number. Okay, so now that you're looking out, why 10,000 specifically? You could have picked 1,000. And actually, when I first found you and I saw your numbers, I knew that there was 10K, right? But then when I was looking on Instagram, I saw like number 599. And I was like, oh, he's only 400 to go. And then I'm realizing now I'm like, oh my God, you're almost 10% of the way there. So 10,000 people, as I'm looking at number 599, I'm really realizing how big the scale of this is. Have you been intimidated at all as you've actually gone through these? No, it doesn't intimidate me. The reason I chose 10,000 is partly inspired by the the 10,000 hours theory, which Malcolm Gladwell covers in his book Outliers. So it essentially says, if you do something for 10,000 hours, you become an expert in that field. So I have no goal of becoming an expert in anything. But I thought that was just a cool number to shoot for and thought just like lined up nicely. And the other thing is, I always tell people, If I chose to do 100 people, I feel like that would be like a New Year's resolution. If I chose to do 1,000, it'd be impressive, but it'd still be something 
that I would just put on like a resume. By doing 10,000, it gives me time to build it into something that is bigger than itself, kind of like has the ability to turn into a movement. And I think it's something that when people are part of it, they feel like they're part of something that will be bigger just because it is of such large scale. Yeah. Is it hard to remember all the people you've met so far? It's getting there. So I've actually like impressed myself of what I've been able to recall of people I've met. But I'm now getting at the point where I'll flip back through my Instagram page and I'll see people and I'll think to myself, oh, I forgot I met with that person. And a lot of times I'll try to test myself and just like look at a picture and be like, what do you remember of this person? So I, I try to like stay on top of it, but it is getting to the point where I'm starting to forget that people were part of it or certain things about people. But if you see me in Philly, like the cool thing about the project in my city is that I still live in the location where I'm meeting all these people. So I still run into them. And a lot of times I'll be with someone else. I'll be like, I can't tell you that person's name, but I can tell you that they do this, that they do this. This is why they did this. This is what their siblings are. So it's weird. Like I remember the facts that are unique to people. I love that. So when you started this, you still had your day job, correct? Yes, that's correct. And you were still in Philly. And one of the things, as I told you earlier, I'm so excited about is this is quite an adventure. Have you met most of the people in Philly so far? Yeah. So I would say out of the, the 615 people I've met so far, probably like 580 of them are from the Philly area. Yeah. And when I've been traveling the world, I've been able to meet so many people from different walks of life, different cultures. And I felt so appreciative of this more universal understanding of the world. And not everyone, of course, has that opportunity. And that was one of the major reasons I knew I wanted to have you on the show is to show how much you can expand your own horizons right where you are. Have you found that to be true for yourself? Absolutely. It's crazy because having met that many people, like you start to understand that there are 615 different life paths that could have been my own, but I'm just living my own life. But even from the standpoint of like family dynamics, some people grow up in families that are divorced or some people grow up in families that are really close and some people have stepbrothers and half brothers. I personally come from a family that my parents are still together. I have a brother and sister and we're all very close. But to be able to get that perspective from the people I meet with is something knew that I wouldn't have otherwise seen if I didn't chat with them. And that's just one example. I mean, you can go to what it's like to be living as a homeless person. And I met a guy in Center City who was panhandling, but he was homeless. And he lives about 15 minutes north of where I live in the city. So these lifestyles, though drastically different, are not far geographically from where I live. So it is cool to, to kind of see the diversity that exists within my own city. Yes. And did you have any preconceived expectations about what it would be like to meet people and, and have all of these interviews surprise you in any way about, I don't know, themes that have kind of seemed to run through a lot of different stories? I'm not sure if I have like expectations or anything like that. I try to be like the most informal person that I know. Whenever things are formal, I get anxious about them. So if it's more laid back and I have no expectations, then everything goes well for me. But one of the things that surprised me is just like, you never know who someone else is connected to. So for example, I was in New York City in September and up there, no one really knows about my project. So it's a lot more of me reaching out to people and trying to get them to be part of it. I was on my way from Midtown up to Harlem to stay with a buddy for the night. And 
this guy gets on the subway and he turns on his amp and he starts rapping over the music. And I was like, oh, well, like I'll talk to this dude. I want him to be part of my project. So he was giving out his cards afterwards. And typically in a situation where I feel like most people, including myself in the past, would just throw in their headphones and look the other way. I took his card and I reached out to him and asked him to be part of it. He and I met up the next day. And then the last time I was in New York City, he introduced me to a couple people to be part of the project. And one of them turned out to be like one of Missy Elliott's old producers who had done work with like Mariah Carey and DMX and like all these big names. So in my mind, I was like, wow, you would never think the guy rapping on the subway is connected to the producer of Missy Elliott. You just never know. Have you found that people tend to have stories of overcoming or are there any interesting themes you've noticed in terms of how people approach life? I would say it's probably split between college students right now and people who are past the point of college. Because I've met with a lot of Temple kids. It just spread very quickly on their campus. There's a difference between people who have experienced the, what I'll call the real world and people who haven't. Because the college kids are still so uncertain in what they want with their lives, but also still so open to it. When I think about people I've met in the real world, no one knows what they want to do with their life. And I think that's something that I'm now comfortable with in meeting so many people. Because it's like, I feel like once you get out into the real world, you have this expectation that people are like, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be here by this age. But I feel like once you uncover it from everyone, no one really knows where they're going to be in the next five years. And everyone is just trying to do their best to live the life that's best for them. It's kind of like one broad theme I've learned. Everybody doesn't know what they're doing next. Pretty much. Yeah. That definitely seems to be the case for people here in the audience as well. And I think, you know, people predominantly are outside of the college realm and they're still finding out and discovering because I think that life is all about constant expansion and growth. And we can't predict the future because now is all there is. So there is always that uncertainty there, no matter what age you are. You just kind of tend to think a little more rigidly, I think, as you get older and possibly kind of become more habitualized to certain aspects of life that you don't stray from for a long time in many cases. And that might kind of create more consistency, but really it's just one moment at a time. So are there any other themes you've noticed of like overcoming hardships or has everyone had difficulties in their lives, even if you wouldn't expect it or anything like that that you found? Because it sounds like you go pretty deep with these people. This isn't just a surface level conversation. There are definitely stories of people who have overcome hardships. That's like one theme I guess I've realized for myself is it makes me appreciate my life so much more when I talk to people who've had struggles of their own. Because I've talked to people who had siblings murdered. I've talked to people who've had family members commit suicide and all of this stuff. And there's still great people who a lot of times take those experiences and turn them into something that they use to then power their lives. So for example, the one woman I met when she was 16, her ex-boyfriend found out she was dating someone new and tried to kill her. And after he was unsuccessful with killing her, he went around the corner to her mom's house and murdered her boyfriend at the time. So she kind of lost like two relationships in that one day. And then later in life, when she was 21, her sister committed suicide. And then later, her younger brother was murdered trying to protect her nephew. I mean, I think personally for myself, and a lot of people, you would see something like that and be like, oh, my God, I would be just distraught and so demotivated towards life. But she's taken these things and she now advocates 
for families who have had members of their family murdered and she'll help them find the suspects and she'll help organize like vigils for them and whatnot. So she's taken her experiences and turned it into something positive for the people who are similar to her, which I thought was really cool because, you know, you can let life get you down or you can take what has gotten you down and use it to build other people up. Found that to be a theme in other more, maybe not so obvious ways, like obviously that's a very direct correlation where someone takes their mess and turns it into their message, so to speak. But have there been other examples of how people have taken difficult things and turned them into positives? Yes. The ones I, I think of tend to be more drastic, but there's a girl that I met with who's a social worker. And one of the things she told me was like, I don't see people for the conditions that they have. I just see them as people and like how I can help them. And the reason she had that mindset is because when she was 14 years old, she was actually gang raped and that led her to like depression, anxiety. She fell into a cocaine addiction for a year and a half, but eventually pulled herself out of it and then used what she knew of herself that someone can come back from something like that to help others who are in the same situation. So I know those are kind of extreme examples I'm sure everyone is turning their kind of struggles into triumphs in some way or another. But those are just the ones that stick out to me because I recall them so vividly. Yeah, it sounds like those are the ones that definitely seem to come to mind. What about on people that haven't had such a dramatic life situation? Have there been any themes you've noticed there or different stories that have stood out? Yeah, I think aside from overcoming things, one of the themes that I've noticed is that people will move to a city for love. And a lot of times like that love won't work out, but they'll stay in the city because they fall in love with the city. So that's something interesting that I, I've come across just in in chatting with people and finding out like, why are you in Philadelphia? What brought you here? So that's uh, another thing that I thought was interesting. I'm curious on how all of these stories and experiences have changed your life at all. I know you've been doing some reflection on that on your blog as well, but what is changing for you as you continue to meet all these people? I think I just have a more broad perspective on life. One of the words that I use a lot is awareness. And I say that in in small things such as street art, just understanding that there are artists who make art solely out of stickers and put them up around town. Just knowing that that culture exists, I now see those stickers every time I walk around town or just understanding things like homelessness, knowing that there are organizations that work towards eliminating youth homelessness or homelessness as a whole. I'm more conscious of that when I walk around and I run into people who are homeless. I will acknowledge them rather than making them feel like they're invisible. Or uh, things like nonprofits. I mean, the best way for me to put it is I read in a book once that if you have a friend who buys a yellow car, you'll start to see yellow cars on the streets more often because you're just more aware and more mindful that they exist. That kind of concept applies to me with everyone that I meet. So every time I hear something new from someone that is important to them, it's then important to me in a way, and I'm more aware of it that it exists in the community around me. Yeah, I can relate to that, actually. This is such a silly example of this, but electronic music is not something I've really been exposed to much. But when I was in Cape Town, I went to a concert with someone who I became really close with there, and he loved the band Goldfish. 
So I went and I loved it. And then I came this Christmas and I was hanging out with my brothers and I was like, guys, you know, I have to show you this cool new band I know, Goldfish. I felt so cool knowing something that was not my, you know, I'm not the most musically inclined person. So for me to feel like I have this hot new band to share with my brothers who are really into music, uh, it didn't have the same connection for them because they didn't go and they didn't see the community there. So excited. It's a Cape Town band that plays a lot in the States. However, they were back down where they're, you know, their hometown for the night. And it was just a really fun experience that now I have this connection to, like you're saying, that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And like I said, I just find this so fascinating that you don't have to go to Cape Town in order to have that appreciation. You're staying within the radius of your city so far. How did the loss of the job that you had affect this project? And what was your initial reaction to that throughout this whole journey as well? For me, it was a positive thing. So I worked for this company, RJ Metrics, from October of 2014 through June of 2016. And I'd started this project in November. So at the time that I was laid off, I had met 100 people. And I had just started to get some press in the Philly area. So that gave me the confidence to go into this project, what I was really enjoying full time, without thinking about getting another job right away. And really, I, like they always say, like everything happens for a reason. I think getting laid off was the step that I needed to really commit myself 100% to this project. Because had I not been laid off, I probably would have continued to work full time and do this on the side, and maybe never really would have gotten it to where it is today if I hadn't committed 110% to it. So I always see the layoff as a blessing and a necessary step in the story of my life. And I think it's one that I'll be able to look back fondly on as opposed to like a layoff where, you know, it was a debilitating loss to my life. Yeah. So I've been focusing a lot on energy, consciousness, and flow for the last nine or so months. And I actually have a theory that I'd love to see how much of it aligns with what actually happened for you. Okay. So you'll tell me, I don't know any of the details of this. This is just purely speculation based on my theories I've been studying. So my guess is that if I had to try to guess what was in your head, you'll tell me what's right or wrong. But perhaps you started this project at a point where you're kind of feeling a little bit like you wondered what was next and what you could do next in the jobs that you had. I don't remember if you were the corporate job at the point where you started and got the idea or if it was in the startup part. But I would guess that at the point where you get committed to it and we're going to actually start taking action on it, there was kind of you'd reached a point of what next. You started it. You enjoyed it. You made time for it. Obviously, you had 100 interviews with the full-time job, which I'm sure a lot of people are wondering how you know you got that off the ground with the time that you had outside of work anyways. But there was probably some momentum gaining for you emotionally as you saw yourself growing and expanding in this way and probably felt pretty good, all things considered, in terms of your personal life and how you felt about you as things were getting towards the layoff. And probably at some degree, there might have been some frustration or friction around the job itself by that point, where it might have been potentially something that I don't know how much you might have thought it was in the way of the project, but just where maybe things were feeling a little bit tight, like a sweater that was a little too small. And then the layoff happened and it was just from a place of you being in a really good place, that's when it happened is my guess. And in that idea is because I'm saying that when you're in a good alignment, when you're at a high frequency, things unfold for you in your favor. And like you said, you might've had this initial reaction, especially to what other people might see or perceive about a layoff, but to you deep down, it may have been even from pretty early on a blessing and that things just continue to unfold and gain momentum from there. So how much of that is true? 
I would say pretty much all of it's true. I can't say that any of it is not true. Really? Yeah, it aligns so much because like starting this project, I started it because I wanted a lifestyle that I owned and I wanted something that I could look back on and say, hey, I did this. But here, let's just say right now, that's some pretty out of the box thinking for you to say, I want to have a lifestyle of my own and I'm going to achieve that by talking to 10,000 people who are not paying me any money. That's a pretty out of the box thought there. What made you think that could give you that lifestyle? I don't know. I ask a lot of people, what would you do if money weren't a thing? And then they always ask me and I say, I'd be doing this because I think anything you want in life, you can get with another person. And like, it makes me laugh sometimes because if you look at the corporate world or, or companies in general, and they always say like, what's your strongest asset? And they're always like, oh, our people are our strongest asset. And then I think like how many of the times have those companies gotten to know each other, like sat down and actually connected on a personal level with each other to the point where they know about their pasts and backgrounds. But I've always seen people as the most valuable thing the world has to offer because, you know, if I wanted to go to Africa or something, there's be someone over there who could say, oh, I'll host you. Or if I wanted to go on a kayaking trip or, or rock climbing, there's someone who's already done it who can show me the way and kind of make sure that I know what I'm doing when I do it. So I, I just like I have the mindset that anything you want to do in life, you can do it with another person. And so I just intrinsically found value in that. And whether I'm getting value monetarily or socially, I knew that I was still building up a bank of value somewhere. Even when you just said that you could do this at your office, how many people talk to the people in their office and get to know them, even instead of looking at the Philly scale or at the world scale that you're now embarking upon, what if someone just even looked at, I'm going to actually just get to know 20 people at my office over lunch for more than I know them or people in the departments I don't even connect with? What opportunities or connections or community or like you said, who knows who knows who from those types of things? Like how small the scale can we even make this, right? Like you don't even have to make it huge. Even on a very small, intimate scale, you can learn so much. Mm -hmm. It's funny too, because I think the obstacle to that is probably the vulnerability that you need to have to get to that point. Like you're letting someone else into your life and they're letting you into their life. But that's one of the things I hear a lot too, is people who have in their 20s or 30s or 40s, they have a hard time making new friends because they don't really know where to look for them. And they could be right next door. It's just getting over that obstacle of being vulnerable with that person next to you. And I think like once you overcome that a few times, it becomes more comfortable as with anything that becomes habitual. And, and then it's just like a matter of doing it. Yeah. Have you found any ways for people that are thinking about trying to connect with people they may not know or have these deep conversations with people that are new to them? What questions have you found or ways of having the interaction go well so that people do tell you these crazy, meaningful things about their lives? So the one thing that has always been interesting about that for me is specifically with my project, I think the thing that people like is there's no transaction to it. So Prior, I was doing tech sales, so I was speaking with people for 30 minutes because they knew I wanted to sell them something. When I was doing my project, I was speaking with people for an hour for absolutely no reason, just to sit down and get to know them. And if I never saw them again, that was fine, but we had made that initial connection. So the key, I think, is just to not have any transactional value attached to wanting to meet people. Uh, but the flip side of that is 
I feel like people want to give their time to something. For me, I'm lucky in that it's this idea of that you're part of this project. And so for other people, I'm, I'm not quite sure what that is for them, but I, I do think there has to be a something without transactional value. I haven't quite figured that out yet, but that's something I constantly think about because it's something that I would like to eventually share and help others do. But when it comes to actual conversations, I always tell people I'm interested in where you are today, where you were before, and the in-between of how you got there. I think people are like the culmination of the experiences they've had through their life. So in order to understand a person today, you need to understand where they came from and what they went through. It could be surface level. It could be like, where are you from? Did you go to school? If so, where did you go to school? What did you study? Why did you take the job you have now? Is this the job you truly love? What is the job you truly want for yourself? And like I said, what would you do if money weren't a thing? So those types of questions start to give me an idea of who that person is from a result of their experiences and, and their wishes, what they want to do. So those are probably the ones that I would recommend other people use as well if they're really trying to get to know someone with like an hour time span. That's awesome. So let's go back to my little guessing game here of using concepts of flow alignment and energy. But I want to kind of go in there a little bit and look at why the layoff wasn't bad and how you flowed with that. So was it feeling kind of like it was time, but you maybe had a little fear around it and then it just kind of unfolded for you? Yeah, it must have been May and I was G chatting with my brother and I told him, I was like, I think I need to take this project full time. And he was like, no, you need a job. You need to like make money and have a life. I was like, but I feeling really confident with the project. And it's crazy because back then I remember saying, I think if I have 50 people as part of the project by the end of June, I'd like to take it full time. I ended up having 100 people by the end of June. But just in having such a small number, I was still so optimistic about it because I think the day-to-day, -day, the interactions I were having was so rewarding. And that coupled with the fact that I was keeping track of this project on a platform, Instagram, where I would start to see reinforcement from people either following along or starting to like photos. Sometimes someone would reach out to be part of it. So all of those things made me confident that this was heading in a direction that I could really make something of it. And how are you making money now? I'm sure people might be wondering how you're supporting yourself as you do it full time. Yeah, so I am the sole supporter of my project right now. I'm not making money. I'm just going off of my savings from Deloitte, which is where I did consulting and RJ Metrics, which is where I did tech sales. So it'll be interesting because I'm, it'll definitely come to a point where I need to make a decision of whether or not to hop back into a job. But for now, I'm just using basically my savings as my marketing budget to get this thing off the ground. And yeah, you know, once I get to zero or whatever, I'll start to to look into another job. But the goal would be to get to a point where this project is worth some type of sponsorship before that point. I did have a sponsor for the month of November, which was a spinoff of the company that I was laid off of. They gave me a small amount of money just to have their name attached to the project. But I think as it continues to grow to a national and hopefully someday international scale, that brands would be more inclined to attach their name with it because it tends to receive a positive feedback from the people who follow along and who are part of it. It seems like something also you could do donor support for if you wanted something on your site that people can donate to. Yeah. And I actually had one of the really cool things. And I, I'm very blessed to be surrounded by great people, but 
I actually, for Christmas, my brother had been setting aside money for me. He was like, use this to help with rent until you get to a thousand. And he had asked my old roommate, who's a fraternity brother of mine, what my rent payment was so he could kind of like do the math on what to give me. And my fraternity brother was like, oh, that's really cool. So he reached out to a handful of my other fraternity brothers. And at a Christmas party, they wrote me a check for rent as well. Wow. <laughs> I have tears. Oh, my God. This is the same brother that you G-chatted. He said, no, you've got to have a job. You've got to got money. I love that. Wait, do you know your Myers-Briggs? I don't know what my Myers-Briggs is. I've done the DISC assessment most recently, so I don't know if you know the translations, but what's the Myers-Briggs? So Myers-Briggs is the E-I-N-S-T-F-J-P. My guess is you're probably an ENFP, which is what I am now as well. But your brother sounds like an STJ. <laughs> and now those are broad generalizations, but it sounds like he's someone that's very on the ground and is like very logically focused and like, all right, yeah, but you got to eat, you know? And so he's even now as he's supporting you and you're like, you know, I'm going to figure it out. This is a big idea. We're going for it. It's all good. But then how beautiful is that the people that care about those like physical concerns are really looking out for you as you go for this. That's beautiful. I know it's it's incredible and it's I am just so happy with the way that my life is going right now and and seeing things like that makes me appreciate the world and the people around me so much more like I'm so optimistic on people I say that all the time because I always have good interactions with strangers that I meet and then the people who are already very close to me are treating me very well so I'm a big believer also that perception is reality and my perception of those around me is that everyone is so good. And so that's the reality that I live in. Yes. This is all the stuff I was saying, the conscious energy flow. So as you're in alignment, good things are coming to you, right? Like you're not even asking people for money. You don't even need the money right now. You just have faith that it will come. You're not even asking for any transaction. But with all of that alignment, energy, goodwill, and just generally following like a high vibration, a high frequency in yourself that is where all these things are getting attracted to. It's easy to give money to someone who is not asking for it and it's something fun to give, right? It's not this thing that you're forcing upon people. They're inspired to do it from that high level place that you're at because that's where you are. It's beautiful. Yeah, it reminds me, have you ever read the book, The Alchemist? Yes. I forget what the quote is, but it's something along the lines of, or the world will step aside for the person who knows where they're going. I think when you know what you want, the world conspires to help you achieve it. Yes, that's it. Yes. I know. And that's you're just in that place. It's so beautiful. That's what I resonated with when I saw your Instagram. I could tell on your Instagram that's where you were at. That's awesome that you were able to kind of see that from the outside looking in. No, energy translates. You can sense someone's energy, I think, the more you're like aware and perceptive towards it, and especially if you resonate and align with it too, right? So if someone is really at a total disconnect, so you see that everyone is going to support you in your life and you believe that all the people that you meet will be wonderful, right? So that's the reality that you're meeting because that's literally what you're calling forth in the people and attracting to in your life. If there are people that are not aligned with that, I'm guessing that they are just not appearing in your life or if they are, when they are, because of the energy that you're consistently putting out there, they're rising to meet it when they meet you. And maybe they go back down to their lower level when they're not around you. But literally, you are creating your own reality. Yes, I 100% agree with that. 
Have you had any examples of that you could share that I think it sounds crazy to some people that might be new to that concept and idea? Have you found any examples besides the, I mean, I think a very strong example is this whole idea that your brother and then even your brother's question to the the fraternity brother that then inspires him to do it with the other fraternity brothers. Has there been any situations, even more on the anonymous scale, on the side of just meeting new people? That have kind of reached out to help? I'm just wondering if there's been any validation of this idea that you're creating your own reality and expecting good things to happen and things do go well. One other example that uh, I think may be relevant is the this one guy, John. He was a, a homeless man who a, another girl that I had met with has kind of taken under her wing and, and she's been telling his story through her like nonprofit project and Instagram. And he was living in a wheelchair and he needed like surgery on his back and whatnot. His legs were infected. It was really bad. He then went to the hospital. This girl, Lolly, kind of, like I said, took care of him and put him up like in a hospital bed, found someone who reached out and said they would house this guy. So I went and I met John. I had him be part of my project and just posted his story on my Instagram like anything else. And then one of the a girl like added someone else, you know, like commented their name on the project. And this woman reached out to me and she was like, hi, how can I help? And just like small things like that, like I looked at her Instagram and she had over 200,000 followers. So I was like, oh, who is this girl? You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, you know, his dream is to get to Ellen DeGeneres, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, I can get to Ellen. So just like seeing that willingness to help come from nothing, that was really cool for me because this guy, John, was just like, homeless before now all these people have come together to kind of give him a better life and it's not like he asked for it it's just people have continued to build that energy along the way does he have a good energy himself yes he does you know what if you were to like read the narrative of his story on lolly's page he was a very hardened person to begin with and he had lost a lot of hope in humanity and he actually told me that during our meeting but the fact of this girl opening herself up to him which then allowed him to open up a little bit. I feel like along the way, like she has continuously opened her heart to him and he has continuously opened his to her and the others around him. And now it's like the shell has kind of been broken down. That's beautiful. It's so exciting to hear. And yeah, what potential there is in you having this platform to share these people's stories. Not that you always have to go to that side of the spectrum of humanity by any means. Obviously, mm-hmm. 10,000 people, you're going to go meet a lot of different people from a lot of walks yeah, of yeah, life. Of but yeah, like you were saying at the beginning of the show, the idea of you connecting people to those that can help others in ways that they need help or in those sorts of things. It's really inspiring to think about what potential outcomes will come from you simply, like you said, non-transactionally meeting and sharing people's stories. Absolutely. And that excites me. I like knowing that things are uncertain in the future. Why do you like knowing that? That scares a lot of people. I like knowing it because I think it makes life more exciting. I think about that all the time. When I was at Deloitte, I had a really good salary. And I had like I was in a program that in three years from starting, they were going to pay for me to get my MBA full time. And then I would have a job to come back to after I graduated, and I'd be making really good money. But having that structured path for me, it was like, what is the purpose of living if the rest of my life is already decided for me? You know what I mean? I wanted kind of an adventure for a life. And so I always say like I feel more comfortable now watching my bank account decline 
each month and not having any promise of anything than I did when I watched it go up every month and had this promise of this safe, stable life. Because now it's like there's no ceiling for me. And I think that's the thing. And most people look at the floor. Do you see that? Like because you're in a good vibrational place, that's why this is working for you. Mm -hmm. Most people will be looking at the floor of that bank account. You're looking at the fact that there is no ceiling. Exactly. And I've always said many times that rock bottom has a large pillow on top of it. Like I think rock bottom is a lot less daunting than people perceive it to be. Especially when you're 26 and you're a single guy. People with families and older ages feel the sense of the fall. They perceive it to be much harder or dramatic. When I was your age, I was self-employed. So I was selling jewelry, but was definitely (laughs) paycheck to paycheck and just having faith that this would get me to where I am today, actually. And I actually watched my friend who was married go through the same thing. And she was maybe five or so years older. And I felt like we were both learning to walk on a tightrope. And I'd just been doing it longer, and I had done it from the flact when I was only three inches off the floor. So if I fell off the tightrope three inches off the floor, but it's not a big fall. She was learning to do the same thing. She just perceived that the tightrope was two stories high. So if she fell, she thought it was a lot worse. But really, everything is figureoutable. If you're following your intuition and you're in a good vibrational place, like you're saying, I just love how many principles you're following that have created such wonderful outcomes for you. And the excitement you were saying you feel every day, most people with that uncertainty, if they're looking from their ego are looking at the fear of that, right? It's like the roller coaster and going over the, as you're approaching the, the drop, some people are excited about it and some people are scared of it. It's the same drop either way. It's the same feeling in your stomach either way. It's just how you perceive that emotionally that makes all the difference. Yeah. I agree. I love when I ask people, like, what would you do if money weren't a thing? And they say I'd be doing what I'm doing. How often does that happen? I would say probably like a quarter of the time. I mean, I think most people work to provide themselves with a certain type of lifestyle. But then the the small or the minority of people are living the lifestyle that they want through their work. So and I, I think like, the younger generations are starting to adopt more of that mindset where you kind of do what you love through life. As, as cliche as it, is, as it is, I think the YOLO mindset is like a correct mindset to have. But uh, when it comes to enjoying your life, I think like maybe a fourth of the people I talk to are actually like in alignment with what they're doing and what they want to be doing. Yeah. And they can just also be somewhere on the path to it. For me, I was always self-employed. So I always had some level of like being there. But at the same time that I was selling jewelry, I would not have been doing that had I not had to pay the bills. So do you think that there are a lot of people that maybe aren't in that minority that are working to get there or moving towards that in their lives? Or is it really just that quarter percent? I hope so. I think if they are moving towards it, I think it's just like staying conscious and keeping it at the top of your mind. It's interesting because for me, like this project really started three years ago when I first wrote down that note, like that is a piece of the story. But I didn't really get to it until two years after I wrote down the note. But that said, I also wouldn't be able to go like six months without a job if I hadn't worked at Deloitte and paid off my school loans and worked in tech sales and increased my savings that way. So like I said, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. So I think sometimes even when you're not thinking about it, what you're doing is contributing to what you should be doing. 
Yes. Everything is always unfolding in your favor. Absolutely always. And yes. Because mm -hmm. you're getting what you think about. Have you had to train yourself to think this positively? Or is that something that has been innate in you since you were little? I think I've always been one of those people who was certain that I wanted to be a success. The definition of success changes for each person. But I remember in high school, like, I wanted to be that kid that other kids would say, oh, I used to sit behind that kid in homeroom. You know what I mean? So that drove me to want to do something cool with my life. And I was always positive that I would do that. Yeah. So I think I've had that positivity throughout my life. And I think just taking the leap, so to say, has started to reinforce it. And now I have much more of that foundation. Like I'm much more confident of what I already knew was possible. Yeah. Your experience has validated your expectations. Yes. That's so true for everyone, right? Even if you think all of this stuff is crazy and that it doesn't work, your experience will validate that expectation. <laughs> if you expect it to work, it'll work. If you expect it not to work, it won't work because that is the law of attraction. And I just love, by the way, to underscore that you're feeling all of this excitement, thrill, uncertainty, while you still are roughly living in the same place, <laughs> in the same town, while doing, you, you haven't left anywhere, yet your emotional and day-to-day -day experience has been transformed. So if there's anyone else out there that is thinking this year, especially as we start 2017, that they want to have more adventure in their lives and travel right now isn't quite the option for them. Do you have any advice for how they can tap into some of this experience that you're having where you are? Even outside of meeting people, one of the things that I've really enjoyed is the fact that I always wanted to meet people in new locations in Philadelphia. So I used to keep track of a list of like, if it was my first time in a certain location. And each time I set up a meeting, I would make it at a place I hadn't been before in the city. So those are the two things that keep the project fresh for me is new faces with new experiences in new locations that I haven't been before. I think that's very possible if you live in a city or if you live in a hometown to have adventure within your own location because I'm sure like everyone listening has a place in mind in their town that they haven't been to yet. And I think that's just like one way of getting that feeling. And, and just starting small, I think like I've come across people who wanted to try out a new restaurant each week or something like that. Those types of things then make you comfortable with those types of experiences. So if you've gone through like 52 new restaurants in a year, then you kind of already have that spontaneity to you that then becomes habit. And I just keep thinking of all these other ways people could do this. They could do it in their office. They can do it in their MBA program, meet everyone in their section. They could do it in their small town if they're, because I was thinking, you know, Philly's a big city. So when you're saying going to different parts of the town, people might go, oh, I've already been to every part of my small town. Have they met every person in their small town? Maybe that's an interesting way of adding variety to this. It's, it, there's so many ways people could expand their own connection with other humans in their experience no matter how small or wide they may travel or be in the world. It just is so inspiring to me. Oh, yeah. I think like seeing life through other people's perspectives is the number one thing. If you can sit down and, and learn from another person, like for me, that's just as good as watching a Netflix series. You don't need to be entertained by the people on TV because there are people right next door to you who are living some of those experiences that you'll see on TV and you can get it through their eyes. That's beautiful. So what internal doubts or resistance are you currently facing in your life, if anything? I think the one worry on my mind would be getting the project to a point where I'm able to get it funded before I have to consider another job or something like that. 
and that's small. Like that's a, a good problem to have because then if I do need to do that, I have a, a network that I can reach out to. But I always say like I see going back to the corporate world or going back to work the same way that I feel like people who come out of jail see going back to jail. It's like I just I have such a strong desire not to do it that I think I'll become more creative in figuring out methods of doing my project before I take that defeat, if you will. Yeah, th- that's the the only doubt that I, I have right now. And I think that ties back to not having many expectations of where the project should be at, at what particular time. But by not having them, I have nothing to be disappointed by and like everything to be excited by. Yeah, I think it's because you're taking consistent action every day towards what you're working on, too. That gives that. I think if you weren't taking action on it, it's like someone having the idea to do a business and then not acting on it and then feeling all of this resistance. You're doing everything you can right now. So the energy is high because you know you're acting in this moment in accordance with your values. So of course, it's going to keep building and your emotional state about it. It's going to be great because you know you're showing up. Absolutely. And that's funny you say that because coming off of the holidays, I was on a cruise where I didn't have service for seven days over the holidays. So I didn't have the ability to set up meetings for this week. So I have some open times and I can fill them by going around and just meeting people on the streets. I try to meet five people a day. I probably won't have that this week. And because I'm not living up to that daily quota that I set for myself, I know that I will feel a little down this week because I'll be like, oh man, I'm not really doing everything that I can for the project. I should be meeting people. But I know from my past experiences that it's just building back that momentum until I can get into it full swing again. But when I'm actively pursuing it, that takes my focus and that gives me energy. So I I feel good about it. So what would you tell someone just starting out on this journey? I would say just meet one person. I think if you could set a goal for yourself to meet one new person, then that's success. Because then once you see what the experience is like, then you can even say to yourself, hey, at least I tried. It's not something I want to do again. Or, hey, that was awesome. Like That gave me a lot of energy. I'd love to see what someone else has in store for me. But I I always I ride my bike around town everywhere. And when I'm in the lower gears, when I get to a red light, like it takes me a good bit of effort to get that first pedal going. But once I get the first one, the second one becomes a bit easier. And eventually I'm cruising down the streets. And that's exactly how I feel towards this project and really towards anyone who wants to start anything similar. I think taking that first step is the most important thing. And just understanding that there is no time to do it. Like, no one is going to come out of anywhere and be like, okay, today's the day you need to start. I think just gaining that confidence and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone initially will get you going for the rest of the project. And I think like that was a misconception that I had towards these types of projects before I started was I wanted to be the guy who had already met 615 people before I even met the first person. I didn't want to put in the time to build it up to like a project that started to be talked about. But what I found looking back is that's part of the fun. That's the most fun that I've had is is building the story of my life alongside this thing that I hope to eventually call a success. That's so beautiful. Rob, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I hope that your story helps others to connect with what might be possible for them as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was definitely a joy. And and like your show is is one of the things I had never expected to receive an email from Jess Lively to be part of her podcast. But here we are, we just chatted. And now we have this connection, we have this relationship. So being on this show and being able to, to share my stories with others is 
is something I'm so honored to have the opportunity to do. And actually, maybe I can help you. So maybe as you're saying, you lost the momentum. Okay, this show is going to air on Thursday of this week. So if people are in the Philly area, how can they reach out to you? Maybe I can help you get some new people for your project. The best way is to message me via Instagram. And my handle is robs10kfriends. That's where I'm on there most of the time. That's how I coordinate with people and send them my schedule. So if anyone would love to meet, I'd, I'd love to have them be part of the project. And that's the best way to get in touch. Well, there you go. You've just caught up in all your momentum. Yeah, thank you so much. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And Rob, thank you for coming on the show. If you want to send Rob a message, you can do so over on Instagram at Rob's 10K Friends. And of course, if you want to be a part of the project, you can also direct message him there. He said after the show that he is accepting people in Philadelphia and beyond Philadelphia. He is looking forward to taking this project beyond just his hometown city. So if you're abroad or if you're somewhere else as well, feel free to reach out to him. I'm so excited to know that the Lively community may be able to be a part of Rob's dream. Now, if you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C as in can't believe I'm in Australia Lively. For show notes for today's episode, head over to JessLively.com slash Rob Lawless. Before I share where I'm headed to next, let's talk with Lauren Mandel about today's sponsor, Aptive.com. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Lauren Mundell, and I live in New York. I live on Long Island, and I commute to my job in New York City every day. I work for a public relations agency called Ketchum, and I run our food and wellness practice in New York. So I get to work with some great healthy food brands and healthy lifestyle brands, which really fits in nicely with my lifestyle. I live on Long Island with my two kids. They're ages 15 and 11. They're both boys and my husband. And I work out at home mostly, uh, run and really kind of keeps me sane, always has, and try to eat really healthy and live a happy and energetic, productive life. I love that. So how did you discover Aptive? I discovered Aptive probably the way most people will, which is they stalked me in my feed. <laughs> which feed specifically? I saw it in my Facebook feed. What brought you and drew you in? I was like, oh, I don't have to go to the gym and I could have a boutique experience like on my own headphones. I'm really interested in this because I love going to boutique fitness a lot. Like I love all the like really high-end boutique fitness that you can experience in New York City. But two things. First of all, they're really expensive. So in New York, they're about like $34 a class. And number two, they're really on other people's schedule. So, and the classes at the time that I could go, you know, after work are usually super crowded and you have to get on a wait list. So I thought, well, if I use Aptive, then I can work up until I need to come home, get on my treadmill, pick a class. And it's just like a boutique class, but it's just in my ears without having to go to a class, kind of get sweaty with other people, commute home unshowered. So, (laughs) so that sounds like a really great reason to try it. What's your favorite thing now that you've been using it? Well, my favorite thing was really feeling like I could stick to something. I did the 12-week half marathon training program. It was 48 workouts over the course of 12 weeks, and I did a half marathon. It wasn't my first half marathon. It was my fifth, but I never really thought I would run another one, and I was able to follow the training, which Rochelle Baxter is the, the trainer for that, and she's amazing. And I just felt like every time I would check off one of those workouts, I would just be like, I did it. I'm committed. And I never missed one. And I'm so proud to say that. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. So who do you recommend Aptive for specifically, if you could think about who you think it's best suited for? 
I recommend it really to like everyone I talk to. I see people running outside and I'm wondering if they're like using Aptiv in their ears because they should be. But I, I recommend it to my colleagues, to parents especially who don't have a lot of time because the workouts range from anywhere from like 10 minutes to an hour to as long as you really have. I recommend it to people who are just getting started, but also to people who are really into fitness. I think sometimes people might think that it's for beginners, but it's really for anyone who wants to push themselves and reach their goals. So for anyone who wants to give this a try, you can get a free 30-day trial. So that's pretty much a month's worth of Aptive for free. As you said, it's like a boutique fitness experience in your ears by going over to Aptive.com. That's A-A-P-T-I-V.com. And then clicking on the sign up button and then entering the code, The Lively Show. So that's how you get the 30-day free trial. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. And now for where I'm headed to next, I am not sure. I actually think I'm going to stay in Sydney for another week and I do plan on having a meetup. So if you're in Sydney or you want to get to Sydney for the meetup, find out all the details on Instagram. I'll be sharing them there. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. 